This is Melbourne calling. Welcome to Granny Bingo Wireless, Australia's best murder mystery podcast. Toodle pip. Edith Vale, and until recently I was a normal Australian retiree. That was until a resident of a nursing home I live in was found dead in her room. I've decided to use the investigative skills I acquired from listening to a few true crime podcasts to solve this case myself, and I'm bringing you along for the journey with me. It's 6.05am, Tuesday the 12th of January 2021. The state of Victoria is still recovering from Dictator Dan's disastrous lockdown, a huge mistake from the state government, but not their worst, as I will discover. More about that later. Flights have restarted to most cities around the country, cafes are reopening, life is going back to normal. Well... For most people, that is. Sadly for Nancy Clutterbuck's family, life will never be the same. I've set my alarm early so that I can get to the dining room before all of the apricot jam is gone. I slither out of bed, put my dressing gown on and head down the hall. As I walk past the common room, something doesn't feel right. The door is slightly ajar, and there's a cool breeze coming from inside. Someone has left the air conditioning on. Mrs Davidson, the head matron, is a tight ass and wouldn't let us turn the air conditioning on if our bum was on fire. So, for the air conditioning to be left on all night was highly unusual. I walk through the common room, which is a central room in the Areola Gardens nursing home. It has no windows and dim lighting. It's the room they regularly lock us up in and force us to partake in art and craft classes, senior yoga sessions, and worst of all, primary school choirs singing out of tune. But this morning, it's quiet. Deadly quiet. There's something strange in the air. It's not just the aircon. 
nor is it the curried chow mein that had been served for tea the night before, having its effects on 90-year-old digestive systems. Evil was afoot. I exited the common room and walked through the corridor, and there I saw it. Room number 214. Nancy Clutterbuck's room. The door still closed. That just wasn't right. Nancy was always first to breakfast, first to every meal in fact. I opened her door and there she was, dead, face down on the floor, blood everywhere. A framed photograph of a little blonde boy had fallen on the ground face down next to her body. A little black notebook lay open on her bedside dresser. A large wooden beam laid across her. It was then I knew Nancy Clutterbuck wouldn't be having apricot jam that morning, or any morning, because she had found herself in a jam of her own. Nancy Clutterbuck was born in what is now known as Carlton in 1932. Of course, back then Carlton was known as Inner South West Brunswick and was all farmland. Nancy's parents, Arthur and Antigone Clutterbuck, had purchased the plot of land for two shillings and started their own echidna farm. Being a girl born in the 30s, Nancy didn't go to school. Instead, she worked on the farm from the age of eight months. Her job was to pull the spikes out of the echidnas so that they could be shipped to butchers across the country. <laughs> the meat, that is, not the spikes. Nancy would keep the spikes and make dolls out of them to play with, as she had no friends. Initially, there wasn't much call for echidna meat, but when the Second World War broke out in 1939, the more conventional meats were sent to our boys fighting in foreign lands. So the people on the home front started looking for alternatives. Nancy's mother Antigone was a smart woman. She joined the local country ladies association, an organisation that Nancy would join later in life. Again, we'll talk about that later. And Antigone wrote the first ever echidna meat cookbook, which quickly became the number two best-selling cookbook nationwide. Of course, the number one selling cookbook at the time was Myrtle Mansfield's book, 101 Things to Do with Thylacine Meat, a book which would eventually wipe out the last remaining Tasmanian tigers. Arthur and Antigone were the toast of Melbourne. They were given a large parcel of land which, according to the government records at the time, was kindly donated by some local indigenous people, free of charge, no questions asked. They expanded their echidna empire and by the end of the war they had 23 pounds, the equivalent of $74 billion today. They were getting invited to opening night galas, governmental dinners and were considered the highest class of person at the time but there was one part of their old life that they couldn't shake off. Their daughter, Nancy. Nancy was a bland girl, 
And if it wasn't for the echidna sparks that she always had sticking out of her hands, hair and clothes, you probably wouldn't notice her walking down the street. Her parents had grown tired of this draining, miserable lump hanging about the house all the time, so they wrapped her up in a blanket and put her in a basket and dropped her off at the nunnery at St Patrick's Cathedral. Sadly, the cunning nuns were not going to be fooled. They immediately noticed that Nancy was a 16-year-old wrapped up in a blanket and a baby bonnet and returned her to the Clutterbucks. Antigone and Arthur were at their wit's end. Their life was, on one hand, one of champagne, diamonds and all the echidna meat you could eat. On the other hand, they were stuck with a daughter that made soggy wheat bicks sound exotic. So they decided to send her off to boarding school. The next 70 years or so of Nancy Clutterbuck's life were as boring as she was herself. She married, had a couple of kids, divorced, got old, moved into a retirement home and waited to die. As far as she was concerned, that was that. That was until the evening of Monday the 11th of January 2021 when she was hit over the head by a large wooden beam and killed to death. Logic dictated that I look at who stood to gain the most from Nancy Clutterbuck's death. Though you can't tell it from the way she lived and dressed, Nancy died a very wealthy woman. Her parents were so scarred by raising such a dry, beige, personality drought child that they never bore another child again. So when they died in 1987 from boredom after hearing Nancy tell a story about a trip she once took to Calandra, she inherited the vast sum of their echidna meat fortune. So who would inherit her fortune now? I remembered the photograph of that little blonde boy that was lying face down on the ground next to Nancy's body. Was this unknown relative Nancy's killer? And if so, who was he? I turned to Ancestry.com to find out. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Edith Vale from the Granny Bingo True Crime Podcast. You know, when I'm investigating true crimes, I turn to Ancestry.com to find out who did what to who. <laughs> Did you know that for only a few dollars you can spit into a little vial, pop it in an envelope and send it off to a private company who will analyse it and tell you what your genealogical makeup is. Then, if you pay a monthly subscription, you can access hundreds of thousands of legal documents and find out about your ancestors. Of course, after about two hours of reading through convict ship manifests, you'll probably get bored and go back to watching Bridgerton on Netflix and forget to cancel the membership. And every few months, you'll see a charge from Ancestry.com and think, oh yes, I must try and find out which Viking tribe my great-great-great-great-grandpa Sven was part of. But you won't. And Ancestry.com will keep taking your money. And the really exciting part is that Ancestry.com is owned privately. 
And that contract you agreed to when you spat in a vial? Well, <laughs> it says they can do whatever they like with your data. So technically, in the future, they could sell it all to the government, who could use it to place you at a crime scene. And the really cool thing is they can map your entire family's genealogy with just one person's saliva. So even if you don't spit into the vial, but Auntie Jane decided to sign up a few years ago thinking that she might dig around the family tree, that private company now has your genetic makeup, as well as your parents, your children, and all of their descendants from here on until eternity. But don't worry, because that private company is the Church of Latter-day Saints. That's right, the Mormons. And when have they ever invaded people's privacy? Oh, that's the door. Ancestry.com. You'll wish you read the fine print first. Nancy Clutterbuck's only surviving relative was her estranged great-great-great-grandson, Timmy, a five-year-old boy who had been orphaned a year earlier after his mother was struck by a runaway horse carriage at Sovereign Hill. I managed to track Timmy down. Here's what he had to say. Uh, hello, Timmy. Thank you for coming in. Uh, please take a seat. Uh, it is Sunday the 31st of January and the time is 7.32. Please confirm. Um, um, I, I don't know how to tell the time yet. Cause I'm, cause I'm in kindy, um. But Mrs. Morrison, yeah, she hasn't taught us the clocks yet, so I, I, yeah, I don't know. Kindy, that sounds like a fun place. Do you play with a lot of toys at kindy, Timmy? Um, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, and what's your favourite toy? Um, yeah, I love Duplo. Duplo, interesting, Timmy. How much do you reckon a box of Duplo goes for these days, Timmy? Fifty bucks. Sixty bucks? Nancy left behind several million dollars, Timmy. That could buy an awful lot of Duplo, couldn't it, mate? Yeah, um, uh, maybe. I haven't learnt the tax code yet, but probably, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Timmy, listen. Tell Nana Edith. Do you remember going to Sovereign Hill with your mummy on your fourth birthday? Um, I don't remember. Sovereign Hill, Timmy. The Gold Rush era theme park, love. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's where my mum um, went away with all the horses, isn't it? Yeah. And if your mother hadn't been crushed to death in the most brutal manner that day, you wouldn't have been the sole benefactor of Nancy Clutterbuck's estate, would you, Timmy? Um, what? what? Um, um, I, I think I, I might like to have my lawyer present with me before I say anything further. Admit it, Timmy, you did it, didn't you? You spooked those horses that killed your mother and crushed her skull. Then you snuck into Nancy's room on the evening of January 11th and brutally bludgeoned her to death with that long wooden beam. No, 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 I couldn't have because um, on January 11th um, I was at my friend Xavier's house and we played Pokemon Go on his mum's phone and um, I caught all these different types of Pokemons that were really, really, like, rare ones. Like, I got a Pikachu and I got Eevee and I got a Snorlax and I got Charizard and I got a Mewtwo and... 
Java ones. Did I get? Did I get a ditto? Yeah, I got a ditto. Yeah, that's enough. All right. Well, I'll be looking into that. All right, Timmy. Don't you go far, will you, buddy? Well, no, because I got to catch a squirtle. I spoke to Xavier's mother. Turns out Timmy's alibi was solid. He had caught all of those Pokemon, and he wet himself at the sleepover. Plus, it's unlikely a five-year-old could have lifted a 200-kilo wooden beam and drop it on an old lady. So who else could have benefited from Nancy's death? My mind turned back to the crime scene. The little black notebook. Could it hold the clues to what happened to Nancy that dreadful night? I went to room 112 to visit one of the residents, Caroline Springs. Whenever someone dies in this place, Caroline clears their room out and keeps all the good stuff. I traded her a polywaffle and two coconut ruffs for the notebook and started reading. My God, it was boring. I've read some absolute shite in my time, but this was mind-numbing drivel. Nancy had kept minute details of everything she had ever done. Here's an excerpt from December 7th. Got dressed, ate scone, watched fish tank, read book, took nap. One couldn't help but wonder if Nancy's killer had done the world a favour. But there was one name that kept popping up in the notebook. One name that was very familiar to me. Maureen McGillicuddy. November 8th, Maureen stole my toast. November 10th, Maureen put butter menthol in my hair while I slept. November 14th, Maureen threw bee's nest into my bedroom. December 1st, Maureen cut holes in all of my bras so my nipples poked through. December 7th, Maureen threw me a birthday party but told everyone else that it was on another day so nobody came. Could it be true? Could my best friend have done all of these dreadful things? And if so, could she have also been the cold-blooded killer? There was only one way to find out. I was going to have to ask her. G'day, Maureen. Uh, Do you mind if I have a little bit of a chat Uh, with you, love? what, what, What? Sorry, Edith? I just need to have a little bit of a chat with you. Oh, so, sorry. Uh, I've got my head down in my phone. I've been checking my GameStop stocks. <laughs> we, are, we are sticking it to those Wall Street bastards. They're going to learn a bloody lesson or two. Hey, uh, you, uh, we missed the episode. Have I missed the recording of this podcast? Have I or something? Sorry. No, 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 love. Oh. I'm, I'm doing the true crime special oh, this week, remember? Yeah, good, good. How, how's that going? You're getting it done? Well, not great, to be honest with you, love. I'm investigating the death of Nancy Clutterbuck. Oh. And uh, at the moment, you are my prime suspect. <laughs> Me? I'll get off it. <laughs> Why the hell would I do the old bag in? No, no. You're silly. Maureen McGillicuddy, I have in my hand the detailed diary that Nancy kept. Well, why are you talking to me like that? Yeah, well, well, I'm not saying anything to you. You're a bloody lagger. You'll run straight to the bloody screws and squeal like a pig. Don't worry. Rack off. Tell me, on the morning of September 17th last year, did you sneak into Nancy's room and dip her toothbrush in deep heat? Well, yeah, but... 
That doesn't mean I knocked the old bitch off. And on January 3rd, did you wipe Nutella all over her bed sheets so that the nurses thought she was incontinent and made her wear a nappy? Well, sure. That's still... Uh, that's a long way off from murder. Yeah, and on January 10th, did you... I superglued a novelty moustache on her face while she slept, and on October 7th, I replaced her cereal with a garden mulch. And on August 9th, I taped over that VHS she has from her wedding with an I'm a celebrity get me out of here reunion. And on July 16th, I replaced her Valium with Viagra. But that doesn't mean I wanted to kill the tart. Well, you have to admit, McGillicuddy, there's some pretty damning evidence. Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, I'll admit that. I'll admit that I was glad to hear that the bitch was dead. That doesn't mean I did it myself, Edith. Tell me right now, Maureen McGillicuddy, why should I not go to the cops and report you? Well, because, Daddy, I was doing all of that for you. Remember how she got voted onto the board of the Country Ladies Association Melbourne Inner City Sub-Branch last year and took your place? Yes. Well, I, I figured if, if I intimidate her and make her life hell, she, she might quit the board and, and you could have your old spot back. Oh, Maureen, that's lovely. Why didn't you tell me? Well, come on, love. I don't want people round here knowing I'm a big old softy at heart. I've got me reputation to consider. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, sorry, Maureen, I'm, I feel awful. Here I am accusing you of murder <gasps> when all you were doing was looking out for me. Yeah. Hey, tell me, did you make it down to LD the other day? You were going to try and pick up an air fryer for me. Oh, tell me about it, bloody LD. I went, well, I did get your air fryer. They had one left and I got the uh, 5.3 litre one. They oh, had the last yeah. one there and I grabbed that one. Uh, then, of course, I had to go and try and get some spinach and mushrooms and I like getting my toothpaste from there as well. Well, bloody did I know this or not? You know how I always piddle myself in the carpet? Well, I, they are selling carpet fans to dry the carpet. Well, I went up to the front counter. I said, I'll have a bag for the carpet fan. Thank you, the turbo dryer. Oh, we're sorry, we don't do bags here, madam. You'll have to pack that yourself. And I said, I can't bloody pack it myself. I said, I'm going to shit myself here, mate, if I don't get out of here soon. I needed the toilet, something shocking. If they don't have bags or boxes, they're certainly not going to have bloody toilets. I was busting. I was better. I said, do you have nappies? He said, in the oh, middle of... Oh, Maureen, island. sorry, sorry, love. Sorry to interrupt you. I just realised I'm still doing my true crime episode. I, I better go. I'll chat to you later, all right? Back on to it, Detective. Hooroo. All right, hooroo. It turned out that Maureen was innocent. I'd hit another dead end. I couldn't help but feel like I was going nowhere. Fast. I tried to think of everything I'd learned in my training. What did all those podcasts I'd listened to have in common? The Teacher's Pet? S-Town? Forgotten Australia? The Gays Are Revolting? Which, incidentally, is hosted by my grandson, Thomas Jaspers, and can be listened to wherever you get your podcasts from. What did they all teach me? Look at the facts, Edie. The answer will be staring you in the face. I cast my mind back to that morning of January 12th. What stood out? The common room door was open. The aircon was on. But the aircon was never left on. No one's allowed to touch that thermostat except for the head matron, Mrs Davidson. 
Had she been relaxing in the common room air conditioning one evening while all of the residents were asleep in their beds when all of a sudden, in a fit of rage, she burst into Nancy's room and bludgeoned her to death with a large wooden beam, then, in a murderous daze, forgot to turn the air conditioning off when she left the scene of the crime? It was a long shot, but it was worth asking. I made an appointment to see her straight away. Here's what she had to say. Uh, hello, Mrs Davidson. How are you? Good. What is it, Vale? I'm a very busy woman. I haven't got all day to shoot the breeze with residents. Oh, well, it's like this, Matron. Uh, there's a bit of backlog of people trying to get into this place, isn't there? Yes, I suppose there is. And you'd be under a bit of pressure uh, to get as many people through the system as possible to get your government funding, wouldn't you? Well, I wouldn't quite put it that way. I guess that is true, yes. Well, I put it to you, Mrs Davidson, that in order to free up a bed in this place, you bludgeoned Nancy Clutterbuck to death, hoping that a miserable old woman with no friends or family could slip away and go unnoticed. <laughs> You do have an active imagination, don't you, Vale? Or we might need to revisit your medication. I think I can assure you that no, I did not murder Nancy Clutterbuck, nor have I murdered any other resident, for that matter. Even if I wanted to, I wouldn't need to. We ensure a fast turnover of residents by feeding them meals of little to no nutrition and by disconnecting the medical alert alarms in their rooms. Well, if it wasn't you, then who turned the air conditioning on in the common room on the 11th of January? I did. It was a hot night, so I left the air conditioning on. But you never leave the air conditioning on. You say it's too expensive and we're all going to be dead soon, so what's the point? Yes, Vale, that was once the case. But Areola Gardens Nursing Home recently took advantage of the state government's grants to have solar panels installed for free. And because the state government is busy trying to run a contact tracing program, they're a bit short in the solar panel department. So they didn't notice when I applied three times and got three sets of solar panels installed, which means I'm not only getting enough power from the panels to light this place up like a Christmas tree, but I'm also making an absolute fortune selling power back to the grid. Now back to your room, Vale. I'll have you on a charge. Uh, all right, all right, I'll go. But but before I do, uh, are you going to be joining us for Granny Bingo at 7.30pm this Monday, Mrs Davidson? Yes, Vale, I'll be live-streaming via Zoom and playing from the comfort of my own home. Of course, I had to do that because all the live tickets were sold out, so I purchased a streaming ticket on comedyrepublic.com.au. Was that comedyrepublic.com.au? Yes, comedyrepublic.com.au. Oh, how lovely. I'll see you there, Mrs Davidson. And now it's time for a word from one of our sponsors. Small businesses are nothing without a thorough, transformational, bubble-up, expensive, trickle-down, digital, young, beautiful, sexy, exciting marketing strategy. But strategy and digital and sexy and young and beautiful isn't everything. You also need a unique marketing agency to get you there with a trademarked marketing method. And we'll teach you that method for free. That's right, the only way to sell your product is to beg and repeat. Beg and repeat. Beg and repeat. 95% of our customers say that they've been able to beg and repeat after learning from us how to beg and repeat. 
Sell more bubble teas, get more voters, get people to change their super fund. It's all possible if you just beg and repeat. We specialise in comedy and live performance too. But don't trust us. Listen to what some of our loyal clients have said. Hi, I'm comedian Thomas Jaspers. I've been begging people to come to my shows and repeating the same jokes for over 10 years. Beg and repeat really does work. My parents come to nearly all my shows. Hi there, it's Mitzi Cummore. I do drag shows and um, drag trivia here in Sydney. And um, I would love for everyone to come. Um, Please, pretty, pretty please. Mitzi, come more. Mitzi, more come. I love to come everywhere. Yes, girl. Listen here, Buster. We have been saying comedyrepublic.com.au over and over and over again, and we're still struggling to sell online streaming tickets so that people can watch from Zoom from the comfort of their own home on February 1st at 7.30pm Melbourne time. I don't even think your idea works, you stupid cunt. Beseechmarketing.com.au Please visit our website. Please. That's beseechmarketing.com.au Please visit our website, beseechmarketing.com.au So there I was. An old girl from the bush with no lead suspect, no motive, nothing but the facts. I decided I'd have to look back at my notebook. G'day, love. Uh, Hi. Oh, Are you nearly done with the recording studio? I just wanted to record the next episode of my erotic fan fiction podcast, Koshy's Love Nest in Outer Space. Maureen, <laughs> sorry, love. I'm not quite done with the true crime yet. Um, oh. I won't be too much longer. No, that's all right. I don't know. Do you mind if I just sit here for the rest? I can't be bothered walking down that hallway. No, I'd no, no worries. Who'd, yeah. who'd done it? To. Yes, of course. Sure thing. Yeah, take <laughs> a seat. You don't mind. No, no, just, just try and be quiet while I record. All right. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there I was. <clears throat> just sit here. An old my cushion. It's my cushion. Do you have another cushion? Sorry. Oh, Please. sorry, Edith. I'll be quiet. You're right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no. All good. So there I was. And I'll... Where were you? No, I mean it figuratively, love. Oh, right. Right, yeah, go, go, go for it. Yeah. So there I was. An old girl from the bush. <laughs> you're, from, you're from Morty Alligators. Oh, girl bush. Stop it. No lead suspect. Ooh. No motive. Oh. Nothing but the facts. So I wrote them all out. What did I know? Nancy had been hit by a big wooden beam. No one, it seemed, stood to gain from her death. And aside from the recent installation of state government subsidised solar panels on the roof, absolutely nothing out of the ordinary had happened at the Areola Gardens nursing home in the last few weeks. And then it hit me. Like a 200 kilo wooden beam falling from the ceiling. What hit you, love? The answer, Maureen. I knew who killed Nancy Clutterbuck. Oh, really? This is... This is getting very exciting, I ran outside of the nursing home, around the back, to see the exterior of room 214, Nancy's room. And there it was. What? What? 
Tell me. There, on Nancy's roof, was three shoddily installed, industrial-sized solar panels stacked one on top of each other, the weight of which was so great that the roof was starting to buckle and had caused the interior beam to give way and come crashing down on top of an unsuspecting Nancy who had been looking at a photograph of her long-lost great-great-great-grandson Timmy ending her dull and dreary life. Wow! So no one killed her in the end? Not so fast, Maureen, no. To the untrained eye, it may seem that way. But think about it, love. Who was funding the solar panel installation? Uh, the state government in Victoria, I think. Yeah, and whose ineptitude meant that Mrs Davidson, the head matron, was allowed to have three times the legal amount of solar panels installed on the roof? Ineptitude? The state government? That's right. And who is in charge of the state government? Wait, you, you don't mean that... Yes! The person who killed Nancy Clutterbuck was none other than... Daniel, Daniel Bloody Andrews. Andrews! Oh, he is a bastard! Shocking. I knew it was him all along, even when I wasn't really I sure who it was. I actually think he's the one... Even I, thought I thought it was... It was about, he's the I one who banned... Who you know, I've read online... He's leaking to people's I used houses, to have a, a level crossing in my backyard. He took it away. that's why we shouldn't vote Labour. Well, that was a terrific episode. That, I mean, you've you've solved that. You've found a murderer, a murderer with blood on their hands. That was great. Thanks, Edith. Thanks for letting me oh, sit in. Oh, no at the worries, end. love. That's thanks for that's letting me have your triple cheese toasty shapes too. Yum. <laughs> no worries at all, love. Hey, and uh, don't forget, kiddies, Granny Bingo is happening tomorrow. That's Monday the 1st of February at 7.30pm Melbourne time. Of course, all of the in-person tickets are sold out, but you can grab a streaming ticket and play from your own house. Uh, jump on to comedyrepublic.com.au if you want to grab one of those. Stay tuned for our next episode of Granny Bingo Wireless, where I'll be reciting my sunrise-themed erotic fan fiction, the newest chapter. I'll be issuing Daniel Andrews with a search warrant. And I'll be teaching you how to bake an upside-down cake the wrong way around. It's simpler than you might think. But until then, kiddies, remember, solar panels can kill. Invest in coal. Hooroo! Ciao for now, dudes! Hey, come over here, go over there, don't be scared now, yeah Lift up your head, hold out your hand, pull up your pants Now why did you pull down your pants? We only just met, but that's why I like you People connecting, grandma's laughing, nostalgia and ethnic dancing